everybody. Welcome to Ask the Pastor. I am Matt Love, and I am here with Pastor J.D. Greer. And J.D., I don't know if you just, if you remember, we're doing video and audio now, so I don't know if that hat is part of the vibe you're going for or if this is just you your know, standard. You know, as a, an actual descendant of Davy Crockett, we've had this conversation. Sometimes <laughs> you just don't know when you've got on your coonskin cap, so... <laughs> Actually, I was feeling so bad about your hairlessness yeah, that I thought I'd have an extra double, layer of hair on. Yeah, between the this two is, of us, this is my we got two full heads of hair. This is my new life with a video <laughs> podcast with JD is a, a bald joke every other episode. Um, well, welcome to Ask the Pastor um, here with JD Greer. We're going to be continuing our series about spiritual disciplines, and uh, this time we're going to talk a little bit about Prayer. All right. So, JD, there's a lot that we could be said about prayer. You've actually written books about prayer. We have several Ask Me Anything episodes on it, but I wanted to start with the listener question from Stephanie um, that I think could help us kind of get this conversation going. And she asks, How does prayer actually move the hand of God? Yeah. Wow. Strong start to this, Matt. Um, yes, I have written a lot and spoken a lot about prayer. Um, uh, the book Just Ask was all about that. Um, it's one of those things I feel like we can't really do enough. In fact, my dad uh, started yeah. to come to the church here, my mom and dad, seven, six, seven years ago. And after being here for a year, he's like, man, I love being at this church. Just love it. But y'all don't pray enough. I don't <laughs> feel like prayer is very important to this church. So, um, you know, sometimes you can talk about it more than you actually do it. I, I would like yeah. to think since then, you know, things have changed. We are, like mm-hmm. as you say, right down the middle of something we do every year now, which is our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, we always want to be a praying church, but I think just having a time of the year that we say this is going to be a really intense time of, of prayer and fasting is just, it's important. So Stephanie, your question, why, why do we do it? Um, I wouldn't, I'd be, I'd be dishonest with you if I didn't tell you that I've had that conversation in my head a number of times. Like why? I mean, if God knows everything, if God is sovereign, you know, why am I praying? Um, plus just practically, let's just be honest. Um, sometimes you pray and things happen. Sometimes you pray and they don't. Sometimes you forget to pray and the thing that you should have prayed for happens anyway. And you're like, is there really a connection between praying and, and things happening? Um, how often do you pray for something? Is it, you know, once you feel God wants, is that the end of it, you know, and, and you just trust him with it or, you know, how, how, how often, how effective is persistent, repetitive prayer in, in, in getting things done? Um, does it really change things? Let me let me make three quick points. Matt, we got time for a really, really quick little sermonette. Uh, three I, I, quick I'm, points. That, we can make it happen, I think. We can make it happen. Okay. Um, the first is that God, the Bible does make clear that God's purposes are sovereign and unchanging. Let's just say it. I mean, Numbers 23 is a, 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 is a great example. Numbers 23, 19, God's not a man. He never learns anything new. You don't say something that he forgot about. Oh, I forgot completely about this happening over a year. You, you know, what you say doesn't change his heart or make him wise up in experience and change his mind. I mean, in fact, literally the phrase is, God is not a man who would change his mind. He knows the end from the beginning. So, okay, so at one point we have this principle that God's purposes are unchanging, but but biblical wisdom is found in holding together two tensions that may seem to you like they contradict, but they don't. And the other side of that tension is that is that God's plans are also unfolding to us, which means we yeah. don't know um, the, 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 what's happening. Um, there's, a, there's a story in Exodus 32 that puts these two things together, and I'll bring in the, the third point here in a second. But um, it basically, Exodus 32 shows us that God changes his course of action, actually uses the word repent in English. 
God repented, not like he felt bad about what he was going to do, but he repented and he changed his mind based on Moses's prayer. God was headed down to destroy Israel. And Moses prays and God says, because you did this, I'm going to change my mind about what I was going to do there. Hmm. Um, The irony of the story, of course, is that God was the one who told Moses to go down and check the situation out. Uh, Moses didn't even know that the people had corrupted themselves, and so God showed it to him. Um, furthermore, when Moses prays, the very thing he uses to—and I'm, you know, for those that, that aren't watching on YouTube—the um, <laughs> very thing he uses to change God's mind, you know, according to Exodus 32, was God's own promise. He's like, God, you promised this. You said this is what you were going to do. You can't do this here. So when you put all that together, you're like, okay, God put Moses into a situation so that he would see the problem that God already knew about, remember the promise God had already made, and then petition God to change his course of action. So you see that Moses' prayer was itself a result of God's plan, and God wanted Moses to ask it, so he sovereignly put him in a place and a situation where he would ask it. And so that brings us to the third part of this this, this truth, and that is our prayers genuinely are instrumental. Mm -hmm. I mean, the text is clear. Without this prayer, God would have destroyed Israel. The prayer was the instrument in getting God to change his course of action. And that is consistent with the pattern of prayer throughout scriptures. I've heard it said, prayer moves the arm that moves the world. So God's yeah. purposes are unchanging. By the way, I think it was the first I heard David Platt say that, that you know, put, put these together this way. God's purposes are unchanging. His plans are unfolding and our prayers are instrumental. Now, I know yeah. that there's a handful of people that are like, okay, wait a minute. What if Moses had just refused to pray? I mean, God made us free and he just said, nope, I'm not doing it. Would that mean that they would not have been saved and that it wasn't God's will to save them after all? And what does that mean if I fail to pray for something that God wants me to pray for? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like, what if, what if he's moving in my heart and I just don't do it? Does that mean that the thing that I didn't pray for wasn't God's will after all? Or would God just get somebody else to pray it? Um, You start asking questions like this and you begin to feel your head, you know, start to spin, (laughs) Like what is, you know, um, those kinds of questions are the wrong ones to ask in these situations. Scripture never teaches us to think about the will of God that way. I mean, just on the surface, Exodus 32, if Moses hadn't prayed, it wouldn't have happened. Um, I always think of the of, of something that the 19th century um, Princeton theologian A.A. A. Hodge says here, um, and this is my paraphrase of it. He says, you know, does God know the day that you're going to die? Yes. In fact, Hebrews says he's even appointed that day. Okay. Could you do anything to change the day that he's sovereignly appointed? No. Well, then why do you eat to live? What happens if you don't eat? You die. Well, if you don't eat and you die, would that be the day that God had sovereignly appointed for you to die? And A.A. Hodge's response to that was, stop asking stupid questions and just eat. (laughs) Because you know that eating is the preordained way that God has appointed for living. Well, in the same way, prayer is the preordained way that God gets his work done on earth. So stop asking stupid questions and just pray. So when I wrestle with this, that's what I tell myself. Stop asking stupid questions and just pray. Because prayer is how (laughs) God is hard. It's the way he's hardwired the universe to get his work done in the world. John Wesley would say, um, God does nothing in the world except an answer to prayer. That might be a bit of an overstatement, but it's not much of one. Um, that prayer, our prayers, how, how, how he does things. So however impossible it is for our puny minds to understand, God has sovereignly placed you and me in situations to see certain needs that he wants us to pray for and to change his plan, so to speak. Mm. He wants us to employ these divine plans to alter the destiny, um, of where, where somebody's headed. So, yeah, I mean, 
I think this is, uh, again, helpful to think through. And I, I remember even a few weeks ago here at the summit, you were preaching about prayer and you mentioned, you were just talking about, talking about it through the framework of just, there's so much trust in God that goes into praying consistently for something, right? Because we're trusting mm-hmm. God that he can work and trusting God if he if he chooses not to answer your prayer the way you want it answered. And so I think just being able to engage with God in this way, maybe differently than, than we don't want to go to look at some of these principles about prayer and try to make it this like, how do I logic this out, right? I mean, it's a little bit more, how do we just think about what is God trying to do in us? I, I don't know. I just feel like there's, there's a different way of thinking about it. It seems like you're trying to hit on. Yeah, Deuteronomy 20, 29 is one of, it was always John Calvin's favorite verse. And Calvin, of course, was the guy who talked a lot about the sovereignty of God. And his, the, the verse says, in fact, whenever I sign the book, 12 Truths and a Lie, um, mm-hmm. you know, a new book I have that's just come out, um, I always put Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine in there. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed to us and our children forever. And what John Calvin recognizes is that there are some secret things. Yeah. Um, and you'll never figure them out. But then there are some revealed things. Mm. And it is disobedience to ponder the secret things when you're not obeying the revealed things. Yeah. There's a lot of secrets, at least to my mind, about how the sovereignty of God works. What is revealed is that when I pray, and according mm-hmm. to Jesus's parables, you know, Luke 18, Luke 11, when I pray consistently, persistently, when I knock and keep on knocking, um, in, in response to that persistence, Jesus says, heaven moves and God yeah. does things that, and I, again, I put this in air quotes, he otherwise would not have done. That's good. So um, a big part, if we're going to pray that way, I feel like a big part of that is this idea that gets talked about a lot, which is praying through scripture or praying with scripture, which it kind of goes into a question we got from Sivad. And and he asked, uh, you mentioned praying through the Bible, and this may sound silly, but what does that look like? So uh, that is not silly at all. Um, there's no other book. There's no, you don't do it with any other book. You don't pray through it. So yeah. um, I know that can sound like a foreign concept. Um, but let, let, me, let me unpack that for a minute. The key is to take what you're reading and then figure out what purpose it's having. Well, why did God say it? And then keep that line of communication open with God through prayer. So for example, if you're reading the Ten Commandments, let's take that as an example. Um, uh, the Ten Commandments are given to show us what God expects of us. But what we learn is that we're unable really to do that in the power of our own flesh. So the way I'm praying that is I'm saying, God, help me to help my heart to love these things and to to be you know willing and able to obey them. If you're reading the Psalms, um, they're almost written as if they're prayers. Some of them mm-hmm. literally are prayers, um, which makes you know, makes that connection easier. You can say, God, you know, you are this to me. Here's the situation. Um, you know, an analogy that that I use a lot, get it from Tim Keller, is that it's like a, 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 a Psalms and the Lord's Prayer. Those are like they're like the music to a jazz artist. Um, that's the melody. And you take these psalms and you can personalize it. You, you sort of let that psalm itself be the melody line, but then you're personalizing it by just praying spontaneously based on what you see there. If you're reading a narrative passage in the Old or New Testament, um, you're like, well, how do I pray this? Well, I mean, what's it trying to teach you about yourself, about God? Is there some attribute of God you should worship there? Is there some um, uh, character quality that you can apply to your situation and just 
uh, you know, verbalize your trust in him? Is there something you see him do in, in, in the life of that Bible character that you want to see him do in yours? Is there mm-hmm. something you learn about yourself through this? I mean, there's, you know, there's no like one way to do it, but the point is it's, it's God revealing himself through his word and he's revealing yeah. you and that should lead you to, um, uh, to prayer, which is why we say it's always the, the first and best response. Donald Whitney, um, old classic book um, called Praying Through the Bible. That's a great resource that will show you how to do it in, in, in literally every genre of scripture. That's good. So I got I got one more question on this uh, this uh, kind of topic about prayer, um, and it's from Claire. And Claire asks, JD, what are your thoughts on meditation? Mm, let's just sit here quietly for four or five minutes <laughs> and think about that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I mean, it depends on what kind. Yes. I mean, later in this series, I think we're going to actually talk about the discipline of solitude, and so mm. I'm sure it'll come up again then. Um, prayer and solitude often go hand in hand. Um, uh, I mean, that's what Jesus would do. He would get away often for sometimes extended yeah. periods of time. The implication is even days to be yeah. in solitude and to pray. So um, the Bible, the Psalms, for example, mentioned meditating on Scripture yeah. over and over again and, and sometimes just reading it. You know, it's like it's one of the reasons I'll write it down on a card or memorize it and just throughout the day be thinking about it. And sometimes that it's that those that 58th time through the passage, those words that I'm like, oh, this is what that means to me right now in the situation. Um, so yes, meditation um, in that form is very biblical and, and ought to be a practice of every single Christian, the greatest Christians in history. You know, uh, this is a big part of their life. But I do want to point out that there is a, uh, what do you, nouveau kind of new yeah, cultural yeah, yeah. Me- version of meditation, which could be confusing to some people. I'm not saying it's altogether bad, but there, there, there's some pitfalls in it. Um, when you hear practices like mindfulness, I mean, it seems like that's just the rage right now. Yeah, very uh, meditating while doing yoga, um, which I understand you do goat yoga every day and every night. That's Isn't that my, right, Matt? It's a daily rhythm. Right after I get you, done with, you know, reading the Bible, like I was saying last, the Summit app, Summit app closed, then Yoga begins. Then go right? yoga. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> um, and a lot of times that involves repeating some mantra. Um, yeah. uh, you know, it's a lot of times that's what people think of today when they hear meditation. Um, I mean, let me be clear. Our minds need to idle sometimes. Sometimes it's just really healthy just to, to say, you know what, I'm just going to stop trying to actively think and just rest for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's walking through nature or sitting on your back porch or, you know, sitting with a cup of tea, you know, in your, your favorite chair in your house. There's nothing wrong with that for your mind to idle. But just know that that's different than, than, than what the Bible calls meditation. That's time, you know, spent alone with God meditating on his word and who he is. Um, yes, and I, I do think that there is, can be a place for you to sit quietly and, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to bring things to mind you know, yeah. allow his voice to speak. I'd say even there, though, you got to be careful because in the in the midst of just quietness, I mean, there's a lot of other things that can, again, I put this in air quotes, speak to your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, the most reliable way is 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 to have the scripture. Um, you know, one of the things that Tim Keller, the late Tim Keller pointed out in this um, a little known resource, it was a spiritual development course that he gave <laughs> to the people at Redeemer Presbyterian that I went through. Um, with somebody. And uh, he said, and I'll I'll quote this, a lot of modern contemplative spirituality holds out a direct encounter with God through, through quietness, apart from the gospel of grace. These kinds of mysticism call for us to find God through purgation or self purification, Mm. which are kinds of self salvation. Christian spirituality is not just be still. 
It's be still and know that I am yes, God. That's good. So you're being still and you're also kind of contemplating something. Um, again, let me compare it to jazz. Um, I don't, what I don't want people to hear is that I'm just, you know, time alone is just me reading the Bible and learning as much as <laughs> yeah. I can and repeating things over and over and over again. So sometimes it's, it's stillness, but it's, it's like jazz. I've got just enough of the melody line of the yes. biblical passage that I let my mind idle, but it's idling, kind of hovering around that passage and making sure yeah. that whether it's the spirit of God or just my own, my own pondering that it's, it's tethered to something that is, is, is keeping me, you know, in, in, in the way of God's thoughts and not just my own. Yeah, I, I like that. It makes me think just again, even those verses you mentioned, we meditate on the word of God. We set our minds on the word of God. Mm-hmm. We set it on something. We don't rid our minds of thinking of anything. We set our minds on the things of God and we meditate on them. So that's really, really helpful. And 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 I, I hope for all the people listening that the beginning of this year, especially with something like prayer, that this is maybe a just a, an encouragement to start meeting with God and spending time talking to him, reading his word, praying through the Bible the way J.D. was talking about here. Um, because, you know, we just, at least at least the two of us here on this podcast can attest to the the power of being able to do that every day and what we, what we get from that time and how we engage with God during that time. So, well, we're glad you listened to this. We're going to keep going with this uh, series on spiritual disciplines. And next time we're going to talk about community, the discipline of walking our faith out with other people. Um, And I think that's going to be great. We have some good questions coming up for that. Go ahead and subscribe for this podcast. Wherever you are currently listening to it, just go ahead and subscribe to it. If you're listening to it, go to YouTube. Subscribe to it there. If you're watching it on YouTube, if you've already gotten in on that, go over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and subscribe there so you just have both just in case. Um, but subscribe because that helps you get it. It helps other people get it. Um, and again, like I just said, we are on YouTube now. So if you want to start watching this, if you want to send something to a friend of yours, and you're like, hey, watch this podcast. This is really helpful. Um, we are on YouTube. Subscribe at j.d.greer, G-R-E-E-A-R. my name. Yeah, there you go. And uh, and we will see you next time on Ask the Pastor. <laughs>